Today's reading is taken from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. Please follow along in your Bibles if you have one. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realised that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the crowd people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and, with trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher any more? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of, the, of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion, with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was twelve years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please keep that passage open in front of you. We're in Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21, and uh, let's pray together. Father, we pray, please, you would teach us now. Help us to behold Jesus's glory, and would you help us to hold on to him as we go through the storms that we're going through right now. Amen. Well, that's what we're thinking about. Uh, we're in a little sermon series we're calling An Anchor in the Storm. 
which is a series which is designed to, to go through different passages in the Bible to help us to hold on to Jesus as our anchor in the storms that we're all going through at the moment. And today's passage helps us. It helps us to understand better what it means for Jesus to be your anchor in the storm. There are some similar lessons actually in this passage to what we saw last week. But there's a key extra thing here, which is someone in this passage comes to Jesus in a crisis and doesn't get what they're hoping for. And at one point in the passage must have felt let down by Jesus. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there have been times in the past where you've cried out to Jesus for something and you've not got what you've hoped for. Uh, and you felt maybe let down by Jesus. Uh, and if you're not a Christian, maybe you've seen Christians suffering, struggling, and you've thought to yourself, well, Jesus doesn't seem that good an anchor in the storm. What's the point of following Jesus? Christians seem to suffer just as much as non-Christians. What, what's the good of being a Christian? Well, this passage instructs us. It teaches us what it means for Jesus to be our anchor and it helps us to see he really is secure. But we're going to get into the passage to understand this. Now, this passage is one that actually we have looked at not that long ago, but it bears, uh, bears repeating. It bears going back to, particularly in the crisis that we're in at the moment. And so what do we see as we come to this passage? where Jesus is surrounded by a crowd. And we meet the first of our sort of main characters to meet Jesus at the beginning, and his name is Jairus. Uh, Jesus has performed various miracles in previous passages, and in each of them, fear and faith seem to be something Jesus is teaching his followers about. And here we come to Jairus, who comes to Jesus in a crisis. Jairus is, we're told in verse 22, the synagogue ruler, He's a respected man, but he comes to Jesus, falls at Jesus's feet and pleads with Jesus. What is it that Jairus needs? Well, he says, verse 23, my little daughter is dying. Can there be any more distressing thing for a father than that his child, his daughter, is on the edge of death? Presumably she's been ill for a while, but her symptoms have been getting worse. They've probably been sat with her through the nights, not sleeping for fear of what might happen. And Jairus hears that Jesus is around and hears of his miracles and so comes to Jesus and is prepared to lose all his dignity. And her father would, wouldn't they, for uh, his child. He comes to Jesus, pleads with Jesus, and he's got it all planned. He says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. I, I know what should happen, Jesus. I know what the plan should be. Come and put your hand on her. Heal her. And Jesus goes. And you can imagine his hope is lifted. Uh, what a wonderful thing. Jesus is coming. Surely he'll come and heal her. And the crowd goes with Jesus. And you can imagine this mass of people surging along with Jesus. And then in the crowd, there is the second main character to meet Jesus. And it's a woman. A woman who's very different from Jairus. Still in great need, but her need is long term. She's been suffering for 12 years. 
and it says she's been suffering under the care of, uh, of many doctors. Her suffering is personal and it's embarrassing. Her monthly period, it seems, just never ends. It would have been physical suffering. It would have been probably difficult in her marriage if she's married. Probably would have meant she couldn't have children. It, she would have been richly unclean. All these things piling up. A horrible 12 years for this woman. She comes to Jesus, not publicly, not falling on uh, Jesus' feet, but privately, silently, just in the crowd. And, and she thinks, well, I'll touch his cloak because, verse 28, if I touch his clothes, I'll be healed. That's what she's hoping. She sees the corner of his garment maybe and just reaches out and touches it. And immediately she's healed. Now I want us to spot one thing here at this point, our first lesson. And the first lesson is this. Suffering matters to Jesus. Now you may think that's an obvious point and, and it kind of is, but don't miss it. Uh, Suffering does matter to Jesus. We see this, that he goes with Jairus, that he does heal this woman. Suffering matters to him. And consistently, when people came to Jesus, he had compassion on them. He was moved by them. When they came to him, they, he, he, he would heal them. And he is compassionate about your sufferings too. He is not uncaring. When you come to him with your problems, with the things you're struggling with, with your health problems, you're not met by an icy wall of indifference. You're met by someone who loves you and cares that you are struggling. So will you bring him your sufferings, your health crisis, the, the crisis, the, the long-term illness, the small things, the major things, the terminal illness, the personal Maybe embarrassing problems. Hold nothing back. He cares for you. And you can ask for healing. Jesus told no one off for asking him for healing. But we do also need to see our second lesson. And the second lesson is this. Faith matters more. Faith matters more. Now, this is so important for us to understand because we won't understand the passage and we won't understand the way God treats us in our lives if we don't grasp this, that faith matters more. It matters more even than our sufferings. And we see this in the passage in several ways, but one of them is the fact that Jesus now stops. He doesn't carry on. He stops because he knows he needs to speak to the woman. But that's strange, isn't it? I mean, the woman has been healed. She's okay now. But the daughter, Jairus's daughter, is still dying. Surely the emergency case should take priority. I mean, if you're in a hospital, uh, if any medic would tell you, I mean, not just any medic, anyone would tell you. Someone in a hospital, they've got two people to treat. They've got a, a chronic case, a, a woman who uh, has been suffering for bleeding for 12 years, who is now healed. Or you've got a girl, a little girl, 12-year-old girl who is dying, which do you go to? Well, it's obvious, you go to the 12-year-old girl. But Jesus stops to deal with this woman. And so he says, 
who touched me, verse 31. And the disciples are, are all a bit confused because, uh, well, the crowd has been pressing in on Jesus. Loads of people have been touching him. But Jesus keeps looking round, verse 32. And the woman comes forward, trembling, fearful. She comes forward and explains everything. And notice what he says to her. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You see, Jesus couldn't leave this woman in the way she was. Yes, she'd been healed, but she wasn't thinking right. Her faith wasn't right. She was superstitious. She was thinking it was all to do with just touching Jesus's cloak, as if Jesus had nothing to do with it. It was just a superstitious touch of the cloak. And people will sort of approach God in this kind of way, in a superstitious kind of way. Oh, people do superstitions all kinds of ways. Lots of people, sometimes even Christians, will do the touch wood thing and normally touch their head, uh, which is a superstition, isn't it? But actually, people will treat Christian things in superstitious ways as well. That if you do the right ritual, if you say the right words, if you take communion, that, that maybe things will go your way. And if they don't, well, maybe you didn't quite do it right. But faith is relational. It's about trusting Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, it's your faith in me. That's what he's saying to her. It's relational. I wanted to heal you because you trusted me. That's what he's saying to her. And Jesus' priority at this point, the emergency case, is to make sure her faith is right, that she's not being superstitious. And this is Jesus' priority for us too. And it is more important, even than our suffering, that we have faith and that our faith grows. I wonder if you've been in the situation where you've been in the passenger seat in a car driving along well the driver's driving and and you know the route and you know that you should go off the motorway at a particular exit and sure enough you sail straight past it and you say to the driver shouldn't we have gone off there and it's a weird feeling because you're expecting to go off but you carry on well in our lives if we think that happiness or health or success or wealth or all those sort of things are the things that God should be taking us to uh, that those are the exits we should be going off at we'll be very confused and we we'll, might even think God has led us down if he carries straight on because his purpose in our lives is a growth in faith you see faith matters more and our third lesson to learn is that faith trusts Jesus Faith, you see, is not a means for me to get what I want. That's the kind of superstitious route, isn't it? I do this, I do that, and I get what I want out of it. Faith is trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus no matter what happens. And we see how he develops the faith of the two main characters in this incident in different ways. The woman uh, wanted to be healed, touched him, and he heals her silently, but then draws her out of the crowd to help her. But Jairus? Well, things are different. Jesus has just said to the woman, daughter, your faith has healed you. And now, uh, as he's still speaking, people come from Jairus's house and say, your daughter is dead. And with those words, Jairus's world falls apart. The rug is pulled from under him. The worst news he could possibly hear has come to him. His daughter 
His little girl is dead. Would you stand in his place just for a moment? His hopes had been raised, but now they've been dashed. And he trusted Jesus. But Jesus was sidetracked, and so his daughter now is dead. He had it all planned out. Jesus was going to come, put his hands on her, heal her, and she'd be okay. But now it's too late. Have you felt like that in the past? You've prayed and things have got worse. Maybe someone has even died. And there are the voices from his home, the people who come to Jairus and and say, why bother the teacher anymore? And again, maybe you've felt like that. Why do I bother? Why bother Jesus anymore? He didn't listen. I don't even know whether he cares. But then there's the voice of Jesus, verse 36. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He doesn't say sorry to Jairus and he doesn't tell Jairus what he's about to do. He just says to him, don't be afraid, just believe. What's he doing? He's growing Jairus's faith, isn't he? He's saying to Jairus, trust me. Sometimes Jesus grows our faith by giving us what we want. Sometimes he grows our faith through not giving us what we want. Either way, he says, trust me. Don't listen to the voices outside or inside uh, which are saying, don't bother Jesus anymore. Listen to Jesus and respond to him. Now, he's not toying with the woman or or with Jairus. He's He's not just sort of deciding, well, I'll answer that one, I won't answer that one. No, he knows what is best for each of them. And what will help them to grow in faith? Maybe in the past for you, you've shut yourself off from Jesus. Because he hasn't answered your prayers. You've distanced yourself from him. Because maybe you think he doesn't care. But we learn from this that Jesus will only say no to our prayers if he has something better in store for us what he had for Jairus. He didn't do what he wanted, but he had something better. Jairus wanted a healing, Jesus wanted to raise the dead. And there is always something better, even if it is resurrection in the future that we look forward to. How can we grow in our trust in Jesus? How can we trust him uh, when we pray and we don't get the answers that we want? How is he our anchor in the storm? Well, we look to our last point, our last lesson, which is faith grows as it looks at Jesus. Our faith, you see, in Jesus doesn't grow by us looking at it, but by looking at Jesus, at the object of our faith. And so what do we see in this passage as we go through? Well, we see Jesus then going to Jairus's house and he takes with him Jairus and the little girl's mother and the disciples that he picks and they go into the room uh, where the body is and he says to the girl Talitha Kum which verse 41 tells us it means little girl I say to you get up and immediately she gets up 
What do you see in Jesus? Do you see someone you can trust? Well, you see here someone who has, well, what we saw last week, actually, the three things that we saw last week. We see someone with divine knowledge. He knows what he's going to do, that he's going to raise the little girl. He knows what's best. He knows that the woman earlier in the story uh, needed to be healed and that she had been and knew what she was thinking, what was going on inside her. He knows he has divine knowledge, a knowledge far greater than you and me. And he has divine power. He raises this girl from the dead just with words. And it doesn't, it's not a struggle for him. It's not difficult for him. He just raises her from the dead as if she'd just been sleeping. And he has divine love. He has such tenderness. Apparently, Talitha Kum literally means little lamb. I say to you, get up, which is just a really affectionate, loving term for, for this little girl. And he loves the woman earlier in the story. And actually, he loves Jairus, doesn't he? What about you? Does he love you? We thought about this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? How do we know whether God loves us? Well, we look to the cross. That Jesus was prepared to go through the storm, the agony of the cross, so that we can be forgiven and can come to God and call him our father. You see, someone with divine knowledge, divine power and divine love, is this someone you can trust? Yes. You can trust him to take you through the storm, to be your anchor. You can trust him to answer your prayers in the best way, even if it's not what you want. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with your death. Will you trust him? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that Jesus cares, that he loves us, that he cares about our sufferings, that faith matters more to him, and that we can trust him with our lives. We can trust him to answer our prayers in the best way, even if they're not the way we would so dearly love. Father, please would you help us to trust him and to grow in that trust. And we pray for those who have not yet put their trust in Jesus. Father, please would there be some today who would see who Jesus is and put their trust in him. Amen.